Today's conversation is with Ian Roth, and this is the Talented Human Podcast. Gary B tweeted on Twitter saying, hey, I really need help on YouTube. Please email me. They ended up offering me a job to work as a YouTube analyst on Team Gary. Are in control of you. What you learn is up to you. Focusing on reflection for the past couple of years, it's really incredible because you're able to see benchmarks in your own team. know what you want. For me, I was going to down the time because I was just worried. The thing relatively fast right now is because I was watching. Don't need you in the right anymore. I totally believe that. Are you interested in it? Are you passionate about it? Are you excited about it? Have you explored it yourself enough to know? Is entrepreneurship something you're cut out for? All right, guys. Today's conversation is with Ian Roth. He is a U.S. Army officer and the host of the Get Hurt podcast. Uh, Ian has, you know, like you imagine has a big background in the military um he served uh the united states you know proudly and now he uses his leadership skills to to continue to do that and at, at, at a higher level leading and commanding his unit um he is the big chief in that department and i am super happy to have him on the show uh i actually tried to get ian on the show for season one um, it didn't really work out, but now we are here. And uh, the reason why I wanted to talk to him is because I, you know, we focus a lot on mental health. We focus a lot on leadership and entrepreneurship, and we focus a lot on, you know, developing our talents and building, you know, who we are and and getting to to a point where we, uh, you know, we stay mentally healthy and we know what we're doing and we do the things that we do for for, for the better of everyone around us. And I can't think of anyone better than someone that serves um, in the military because leadership takes on another level. Um, things happen faster in a more dramatic fashion. And uh, you, you deal with so many different people and personalities. And this is why I wanted to have Ian on the show and, and, and dive into this type of conversation. Because guess what? Being in the army, being going to war, serving you know overseas, that takes a very, very... Um, big toll on some people and a lot of these people also want to you know do something else outside of the military they have talent they have ambitions and and things like that and and they want to you know come back and be healthy to be able to do that and part of being the leader in the military i suppose as ian is and he'll tell us in a little bit is to be able to to take care of everything that that has to be taken care of for for the people that he commands and and it's responsible for. So with that, I want to welcome into the show, Mr. Ian Roth. Sir, it's a pleasure. And as I said before, when we were talking earlier, thank you for your service. Hey, Jay, it's an honor and privilege being on the show, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for the kind words and, uh, you know, serving my country and doing all this stuff is absolutely what I wanted to do. So I'm blessed that I'm able to do it in the capacity that I can. That's amazing. Um, so Ian, um, a long time coming. Uh, we finally have you on. I know. What I'm going to start right off the bat. What has the experience of doing what you love? And this is a, you know, um, a thing um, that I focus on, like, you know, if we're doing what we love, we're happy and, and it will never feel like work or anything like that. But what has the experience been for you to be able to serve your country, to be able to to be, you know, mentally tough, not even mentally healthy, but mentally tough to, you know, to go to Afghanistan, to serve in Afghanistan, to do, um, to serve your country anywhere and to be ready at any point to go into action. Um, how, how do you, how can you explain what that experience is like to, and, and how will you compare it to, to um, saying, okay, well, I have to go to the office every day. Yeah, well, uh, it, it's, it's different. So I have a unique situation. I was in the civilian world doing leadership for about six years or so, and then came over active duty on the army. So I'm kind of able to draw some correlations between the two and not saying one is better or worse than the other. They're just extremely different. So in the civilian world, there's, I still enjoyed what I was doing, you know, but whereas the army, I, I can, even though it's harder, sometimes more demanding, more dangerous, I can kind of see that big 
picture of serving our country a lot more. And that's really so it keeps me going at the end of every day. If I have a bad day and in the army, which there's there's a lot of them sometimes, and it's gonna be bad days for no matter what job you have. You you might not love your job every single day. And I'd say you probably will not love your job every single day. But knowing even if I have a terrible day that I'm giving my time and energy to my country and able to lead soldiers to the best of my ability is kind of what keeps me going. How many people do you lead on a uh, uh, in your company at the moment? So right now my company has 163 soldiers. And you're responsible for what uh, when it comes to? So their training, their well-being, health and welfare, everything from making sure that they are taking care of themselves and their family all the way to having to go out the door, hop on a plane and go overseas if we need to. It's a very, very wide array of responsibility. Yeah. So. If you were to think about this from a from an entrepreneurial perspective, you're the uh, let's say you are the boss in the company. How how do you how would you suggest or how would you advise someone in that in that role that you know how they can use the, the leadership of the military to to better lead um, their employees and to provide them with a space where they can feel that they're not just um, a, a number in our in in the organization and that. You know, you do everything as you know as responsible as you are for the, um, you know, for the well-being of your company, like you are for your for your you know lack of a better word, your company um, and your soldiers. And you know, we are as entrepreneurs, we are responsible for our employees. And um, how would you suggest or how would you advise people to to approach that from a military background to be able to? to think of all the little things that could happen. Because like one thing that we don't think about, and I think, and, and I've seen this a lot um, in the entrepreneurial space is we go and we say, okay, well, no one's gonna be anxious or stressed or, um, you know, mental health and mental toughness, probably not something we need to, to, you know, to be an employee in a company, but, you know, we all have our problems and we all have our situations and and we all are different. So, you know, you have a you know a higher degree of of um of things that you have to take care of because well you can't send someone into action military action if they're not you know if they don't clear certain standards and certain things that um how do you see that translated into the world of business so just in any sort of leadership capacity what is going on and what you're doing is not about you at all the the moment you become a leader is the moment that you put the needs of others before yourself so Knowing that and, and putting the wants, desires, needs of, of others, my soldiers in this case, that I try to do to the, again, to the best of my ability, I'm not perfect, but try to get them taken care of before I take care of myself. And, and as an entrepreneur, just think of that. You're, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, something along those lines, and you have people on your team, you need to make sure that you're taking care of them because they're the ones there supporting what you do and making really what we say the mission happen. So of those 163 people that I have, they can do their day-to-day -day jobs without me, you know, over their shoulder, leading them, micromanaging, but I can't do my job as a leader without those fine young men and women out there doing what they need to do. So, so that's how I like to think of it. Yeah. How do you, um, how do you approach the topic of like mental health? Because I know that this is big on, on military men and army men and women, um, uh, you should say army persons. Um, the, um, how do you see this? Because, um, you know, as, as leader of your company, you have to be aware and you have to pay attention to, to how they're behaving and, and what combat can, you know, if they have to go into combat or if they have to go into action, you know, how, how what effects it has on them and how do you prepare people, to, you know, for that mental toughness, you know, how, and, and, and in your own capacity, like, um, how do you prepare yourself, you know, mentally you know, speaking to, you know you have to be away from your family you don't know when you're coming home you know you go you're going you're calling to go overseas and and you know you might be going for three months and then in the, those three months you know shit hits a fan and and you have to stay longer um um how do you prepare for that how do you deal with that what are the the things that you do so mental health is huge i mean just as i'm sure many of your listeners can imagine the military can be very stressful very emotionally demanding but as the commander and the other leaders that I have in my organization, we're always making sure that our soldiers are, are like mentally there and are mentally okay if we have to do something. And there's a lot of, 
I mean, the, the military is actually turned into an organization where mental health is very important because soldiers yeah. can't be effective at their job or, or fighting or whatever we need them to do if they're, if they're not in a good space cognitively and mentally. So a lot of leader engagement from the, like the, the first line supervisor level, so some of the non-commissioned officers or NCOs as we call them, checking on their soldiers. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, how's your, how's your home life? How are the kids doing? And just by asking those questions, you get a lot of feedback. Well, you know, shoot, I'm in debt or money's tight right now, or my wife and I are fighting or my kids, yada, yada, yada. So just that engagement and showing that you care is, is a big step. And that, I think that goes a long way. I mean, you have to remember a lot of the soldiers that we have are 19 years old, 20 years old, and a lot of them have one or two kids already. So you're taking a very, at least I can speak for men because I was that age, you're taking a very maybe mentally immature person and they have to grow up and become adults real quick. Family, active duty, military, possibly going to war. So it's a lot to handle, but as leaders, we just need to be asking those questions and, and make sure that if, if something happens that we give those folks the resources to, to help them. And we have a whole, lot, a whole bunch of counselors here in the Army, uh, a whole bunch of different kind of therapy programs, uh, marriage counselings that they can go to just to make sure that they're mentally fit at all times. What's it like being overseas um, and not being like, because, you know, I, I travel a lot and uh, I, uh, I get to enjoy this uh, business entrepreneurial lifestyle that, um, that, that, you know, I can work from anywhere and I can be, you know, today in Germany, tomorrow. And actually, like, it's funny because I'm, I'm here in Germany till tomorrow and then I go to Prague on Monday and then I come back to Germany and then I go to Spain. And then that's <laughs> it's, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's always like like that. But uh I know it has to be different when you go for your job, which is, uh, you know, serving your country to Afghanistan, for example, which is a war zone in a way. And, um, and I know that it's probably not as bad as it was, you know, a few years back. Um, but what's it like to, to, to be overseas and to, you know, just know that you are in harm's way? Um, you're so far away from your family. I think a lot about, a lot about that because I'm, you know, I haven't, I haven't been back to the U.S. In, in almost two years and I haven't seen my parents since. And I, you know, I, I already have my plans to come back and to spend some time with them because like I have to see them and it's been a while. So, um, but I know it has, it can be the same me two years outside traveling and enjoying life and like, you know, staying in, in fun places and jumping off of waterfalls and stuff. And uh, then being, you know, overseas, you know, in some precarious and in a way conditions. Yeah, well, I mean, when I, I got back a year ago yesterday from Afghanistan, so like when I left, uh, my youngest just turned one year old. So, I mean, I had, I have three kids, all three of them were alive during that time. So it's hard leaving your family, your wife back home with three small kids. So when I was over there for those nine months, I mean, of course, that was in my mind and, and I can assume most other people who had families and were over there with me were thinking similar things. But I mean, being over there, it certainly wasn't glamorous. Uh, I was fortunate. We were fortunate enough. We didn't go out on the roads or anything. The unit that I was in, we flew by helicopter if we ever had to leave anywhere. So we weren't worrying about, you know, people trying to blow up our trucks or anything because we were on this big compound. But I mean, we would have the Taliban or Al Qaeda, whoever it was, would shoot rockets in, in at us every couple of days. So we'd have to like go run to a bunker, get down, you know, kind of hope for the best. So that was, it's a little scary, but um, I don't want to say you get used to it, but you kind of do get used to it, which is sad because they were still, I mean, there were live rockets that exploded and were dangerous, but uh, yeah, the, it was just um, a different, it's a different world over there. Yeah. What's the adjustment like, like getting there and coming back? Like, you know, when you go, you come back from your life in America, or you, you're in your life in America. You get to Afghanistan is day one. What's that? And and they say week one. Like, what's that adjustment like? That first week, and like, let's say in that first week, you know, some shit goes off. Like, you know, you get, you know, rockets thrown at you, and like, it's your first experience. And and you also have like people, you know, with you who depend on you. And 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 I mean, I guess everyone depends of each other there, and like, you have to protect each other while you're 
you know, in, in a war zone. But what's that first, like that, that adjustment, like mentally, like, how do you, how do you like that flight to Afghanistan? Like what goes through your mind when you're, you know, in, in route? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to explain. You just don't want know what to expect. There were a whole lot of us that were first time deployers to a war zone. Uh, there were some of us that have been there, you know, more than once, but for all of us, first timers, just that feeling of uncertainty, like we don't know what's going to happen. You know, as soon as you, you land, you get off the plane, you get a, a magazine with 30 rounds in it that you shove into your rifle. You know, I'm like, holy crap, this is this just got real real quick. Yeah. And then that that night, like our first night there, you hear the air sirens go off and, you know, rockets are getting shot into the base. It's like, OK, this is my life now. You know, it's just kind of really no way to prepare for it than just experience it and kind of adjust and make yourself get your mental, you know, your mindset going after that um did you did you ever feel um uh, in any moment where you're like why am i doing this um or like a fear of a moment of like um or or even like saw someone in your you know and in, in the, the people that were with you that kind of like had one of those moments where you like question their abilities or and, and, and kind of like, if you have to like deal with that, how did, how did you do that and how you handle that in, in, in such a stressful situation? So we weren't really in direct fire with the enemy at yeah. any time. So it wasn't like where, you know, we were online shooting and I saw someone freaking out or anything. But I mean, just more so than anything, the I, I think the most stressful part, despite rockets getting flung at us, was just being away from our families for so long. I mean, that was that takes a lot of mentally resilient people and just beats them down over the months. And I mean, you can just see people start having fights with their significant other back home. And then just kind of the toll that it takes on their mind is it's very hard. Um, but as far as like questioning myself, questioning while I was over there, I mean, that, that's what I wanted to do. So I, when September 11th happened, I was in eighth grade and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go in the military when I can. So I was over in Afghanistan. I mean, how many, 17 years later, you know, and it's just like, this is, this is why I did it. You know, just always having that, that thought in the back of my mind, like I'm over here because someone attacked us you know, on that day. I remember it. I remember it like it was just yesterday, it's ingrained it in my memory. And I'm over here contributing in my capacity to, to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah. As a New Yorker, I remember very clearly. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and I, it's uh, yeah. I, I was, 18 um when it happened and it was yeah still very very i i haven't been to the um to the museum yet i haven't been able to like lived in new york i probably walked into that museum bought a ticket once yeah and, and, and stood at the door and couldn't get in oh geez because i it's talk about emotional turmoil sure. it's uh, it's one of those things that you know it's so alive in my memory and just fresh up the boat for me and just that, that that happened and I remember I called my parents and you know panicking and um there, there's not a day I mean there's very few days where I don't think about that doing what I do and it just helps keep everything in perspective like if I'm having a terrible day at work and it's like you know that that is why I'm doing this right now to have the impact on these fine soldiers and, and like the army that I can just to and some hope prevent anything like this from happening again. So my kids don't have to ever experience that again. Well, that's, I, I don't even know what to say. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, again, more for what you do. And, and that's like, I, I always say the military, like biggest leaders we have. And, um, and you know, what you guys do is, um, is incredible. Um, what's the adjustment like coming back though? Like, how do you get back to like first, first week at home? Um, you sleep in, in the, you, there's, you sleep in there's no silence, no rockets, no nothing. So I was very jumpy. Like I, I was, it's, I mean, just like kind of the stereotype PTSD thing. Not, not that I have that now, but I was jumpy. I would hear like something in the middle of the night and I would just like immediately my eyes would shoot open and I'd be looking around and like, oh, okay, okay, I'm at home. I'm at home. You know, it would take a little bit to register. But I think as far as the adjustment, I was super happy to be back because the living conditions were crappy over there. And I think the hardest adjustment was my wife adjusting to me being back. She had such like a routine down with the kids over the last nine months 
that I came back and like inserted myself into into her routine and regimen of everything that she had that it was a little I, I just kind of got in her way. You know, it was it was a little bit of adjustment in that regard. But um the kids, my two oldest kids were were very happy to have me back. And my youngest who was almost two when I came back. So I left and she just was a one year old baby, was a little skeptical of me like who, who's this dude back here you know I think I know yeah. him but but yeah, I don't know I don't have good feelings about this guy so it was a little it was a little challenging and had to be patient as she kind of rewarmed back up to me but I mean and now she's my she's my little buddy so eventually it worked itself out but it was a little a little stressful and challenging at first yeah I I, I can relate to that experience because um when my cousin had her first baby, I was around all the time and she was so used to me. And, and then I got really busy with work and I couldn't like commit to the time. And this was around the time she was one and a half or so. And like for like four months, she didn't see me as continuous as, as, as she was used to seeing me. And, and then she like immediately was like, who is this person? And she stopped yeah. recognizing me. And, uh, so and and like this was like my first niece that I had that I was like oh my god like you know we were so happy she you know she came she came to our world and I literally made an effort where I take time and after my day and just go spend some time with with my cousin and and and, and with my niece because I you know that that felt so shitty like she didn't recognize she didn't want yeah I was so used to like I would get to her place and she'll come run in and say hi and like want to play and. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, like if I got too close, it was crying. And so it was like, it was a, but I can understand that. And, and, and I don't even want to know what that is like as a father. Like, it, it's, it's painful. It's like heartbreaking at first. Just, yeah. I mean, kind of similar to what you said, it's heartbreaking, but it's just, it just takes time and just, uh, yeah. you know, being here, showing your face and just getting those that let her warm back up to me. And, you know, yeah, it, time time heals a lot of things and you know i'm just happy just happy all that's over with and don't have to do it again for a while knock on wood <laughs> we'll do Let's that uh, yeah <laughs> um uh, the uh I, i'm gonna stay away from this but the um in a way but the um the the political landscape today um for for military people can can be kind of to me it can be kind of similar to when you're in a business and there's a lot of uncertainty on on what what things are going to be and what things are going to happen and like you may, maybe you're going to you know you're thinking of merging with someone else or you're thinking to you know maybe it's the time for me to sell my company it's the time to so you're dealing in like the people in your team are around you and you don't know the specifics um in a way, when you uh, when you hear certain things in the news that you know might trigger something in you know in your life, because well, you have to be ready to serve. How do you deal with that uncertainty? Um, and uh, you know what you know what what does your training and how does your training help you to like know that you know things can happen in an instant and things can you know things can change really fast and. And then, yeah, like, how do you deal with that uncertainty of not knowing, um, you know, because sometimes, you know, the political landscape, which is what pretty much dictates things that, you know, can be like really relatively quiet and, you know, you know, we're, we're getting relationships with, you know, Iran or Syria that are like, you know, kind of like status quo. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, something happens and, 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 and it triggers a, a response or, or it triggers a, a moment of action for, for your, you know, for your line of work. How do you deal with that uncertainty? So we're, we're just ready to go. That's part of our job is being ready to go. Even my unit who has tractor trailers and uh, do like interstate kind of line haul stuff, we're ready to go. Something happens. If something would have transpired from the last couple of months, we were, we were ready to go. So just acceptance, I guess, is the best way to deal with that. You have to understand that we signed up for this and that is a real possibility that we might need to do that one day. And, you know, having a family who understands that for me personally is very, very helpful. My wife served for four years. So, I mean, she's okay. very kind of on the same page and knows what goes on 
kind of maybe behind the scenes that most spouses do not know. But uh, we have a whole lot of family meetings like my company does to just put out to the spouses and family members, hey, hey here's where we're at. And you're just kind of having that open line of communication that we need to be ready to go. And you know, if you guys, you spouses and family can support your service member, that just makes it a lot easier and a lot less stressful and, and kind of mentally helps us kind of keep ourselves in the game. I'm going to ask you a question and you're free to, um, to say no comment or okay. repeat the fifth. Um, this is a personal question I want to ask because I always been fascinated by this, um, clearance. Um, clearance has to take a mental toll on, on people because you might know things that the rest of people don't know and you might know things in advance that can have an effect on you know society and, and all that stuff. So how do you, you know, you don't have to like answer anything about clearance, but how do you deal with knowing that that's a responsibility that you took? And that's like, how do you deal with like, you no, know, if you know certain things um, that maybe you can even share with your wife uh, or your children or anyone, your parents, like how do you deal with all that? Uh, because I always, I, I always think of like, you know, that is one of the things that you have to be the most mentally tough. Like I just held my friend's, you know, engagement ring for about a week uh, <laughs> in my room. And I was like, I can't say anything. <laughs> I just want to tell someone. Exactly. But uh, I mean, no, I mean, sure. I can definitely talk about it vaguely, but I'm fortunate enough being a, a logistics officer that I don't ever, I mean, I don't have a top secret clearance. I have a very much lesser degree clearance. Nothing that I know is going to be interesting to anybody and my okay. and my group of friends or my wife or anything. So, especially now being back in the U.S., I don't I don't know any classified information. So okay. I, I don't have an urge to share it. Um, especially when we were over there, uh, we were we were around that kind of stuff. But there are very tight procedures and protocols put in place to make sure that like we don't share it or or we're being monitored to to. So people know that we're not sharing it. So like we couldn't bring our phones to work in Afghanistan for many, many reasons. You can't plug any flash drives or or stuff into the computers, kind of same thing. So okay. um, it's fortunate for me. I just, I could, I don't want to talk about work stuff outside of work anyway. So not tempted okay. to share that stuff. Yeah, got you, got you. That's, uh, um, I thank you for like actually like going into it because I, I know that some people are like, oh, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned the word protocols and, you know, organization and structure. If you were to start a business today, right? Yes. If you were to like lead a business today, or if you were like, you know, advising, uh, you know, a young entrepreneur, um, what are kind of like the, the things that you would bring on board from your military training and what are the things that you would leave outside um, from your military training because you don't, you know, it might be too drastic for the business world. Or you think you should run your business like a, like a, like a platoon of like <laughs> So the, the stereotypical military dude answer is structure. And I think even, you know, I went to, I did my MBA. So like I'm a business minded guy, but like you need, you need some sort of structure for organization, yeah. efficiency purposes in any kind of business. So like there's, there's probably two, two ends to that spectrum. You can have extremely structured and rigid on one end, and then you can have kind of your creative, super ambiguous other end on it. So, so finding, yeah, finding a balance between there is I think key. I mean, depending what kind of entrepreneur you are, you need to have creativity. You need to find creative solutions to people's problems that people have never thought of, or maybe they've thought of and were not able to execute correctly or well and develop systems and procedures around those solutions. And, and that's how you help your customer out. So yeah, my advice would be you need to be deliberate in your actions and the steps that you're taking to solve your customer's problem. But at the same time, you don't want to be closed minded and, and you just want to be open to anything, be open to feedback, be open to what anybody is willing to tell you about a situation or a problem they have. Yeah, I, another question, you know, um, 
army related because we see a lot in the movies you know usually the uh the 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 less ranking officer will come up with a you know kind of like a solution to a problem but you know the ranking officer is like you know no, I'm the ranking officer. I'm the, the, the you know the lieutenant or the the, the captain of this unit. And sure. We do what we say, and that's how you see it in the movies. And then it's usually you know plays out like you know he was wrong and the lesser guy was, um, you know right. Um, how much of an open mind do you have to keep when you're when you're you know deployed and when you're um, you know following instructions as well? Because you you also have to be like okay, these are my instructions, but how do you, how much of an open mind do you have to keep to be able to adapt changes on the go? Like, let's say the, you know, the mission takes a turn and you have to immediately just say, okay, what, what do I do? How do you, how do you adjust to that? And, and, and what kind of open mindness do you need to actually? So when we're back here, what we call in garrison, like in the United States, so Fort Campbell for us, I give my leaders a lot of leeway in making small decisions that are that are kind of within their purview and then I can kind of make sure give them a left and a right limit and make sure that they stay in between those two because I want them to practice their their leadership skills their problem solving skills their critical thinking here in a controlled environment where it's a lot safer than going you know across the pond so I, I just tell them you know hey here here's what I want to happen and I want them to think of the way to make that, that happen it might be completely different than how I would have done it it might have been something I never would have even thought of. So, I mean, giving them, allowing them to be creative in their solutions, I think is huge. And then they come back and tell me, here's what happened, here's what didn't happen, here's what I did. And then we have a conversation about it and kind of do a little counseling on the spot and either say, hey, great job, I like what you did there, I didn't even think of that, or, you know, hey, here's where you I saw you went wrong, do it this way next time, or, you know, just something along those lines. So. Personally, I like to give my lieutenants and, and other non-commissioned officers the reins to do that. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that my bosses tell me, hey, Ian, this is what I need to have happen. And they don't really put a lot of restrictions on me. So it's a good, way, good. To develop, it's a good way to develop those around you. And then at the same time, look for creative solutions that you, that I might never have thought of. Have you ever had one of those moments where like someone comes up with a solution and you're like, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. But in your head, you're like, damn. <laughs> you can- <laughs> oh, all, all the time, like daily. No, yeah. daily, seriously. Okay. That's what I take, like I take any kind of feedback that people will give me and I just, I just think about it and really take in as much as I can before I make a decision because we have such a vast array of different experiences and expertise in my company that like, like I said, there's people that come up with stuff that there's no way in a million years I would have thought of. So leveraging their experience and knowledge and just kind of getting all that information into my brain so I can make the best decision possible is, is what I try to do. Well, you see it there, guys. Even in the military, you have to keep an open mind. You have Absolutely, to be able to, to listen to, to, your, to, you know, to everyone that works in your team because the ideas are always there and people are always you know creative and... And this is what you, you know, as a boss and as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, you have to keep a, uh, an open mind. Don't think of the army as it is in the movies, because it's not. And, uh, um, you know, some of them, you know, might be very relatable, but remember we need like our Hollywood dosage of, um, of drama and, uh, yeah, and, definitely. and, and action. So, um, but no, I, do wanna, I do want to add, if I could, Yeah. I, I take everybody's suggestions and ideas, but at the end of the day, if you're an entrepreneur or a leader or like me, I, yeah. like I have to make a decision, you know? Yeah, of course. There, there comes to a point in time you have to make a decision and you have to instruct everybody to execute on that decision. So take all the ideas from everybody, but when it comes to time of execution, you can't be wishy-washy or skeptical. You need to make a decision with confidence yeah. and you need to put clear intent and expectations for your team to execute. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100% on that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's open. It's that openness to the ideas that's, that's most important because like it, it, it affects your, you know, your decision making in a way that, um, that can positively improve the actions that you're going to take. So, um, it's having that, um, that mindset that, you know, you gotta listen, you gotta listen to, to what people say, keep an eye. Like I always, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm always paying attention to, to what others say and do. And then like, oh, how would I apply this into my own thing? And how would I do it differently? And, you know, definitely like, oh, I didn't realize I was fucking that up. So, yeah, 
That's what you have yeah. to do. And uh, yeah, so I think one of your kids walked in. I saw the door open. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, that's pretty cool. Um, how old are your kids? Five, four, and almost, and almost three. They're all within three years. Yeah, we had three under three. We're, we're crazy. That is, you know, takes two military yeah. people to do that. And my cousin, because she had them, like, she had four. And uh, she had four, and I think in a six-year period or seven-year period. There's no way in hell we could have done four. We have that conversation daily. There's no way. Yeah. She had, she had Mariana in 07, Andrea in, 0, uh, you know, like a year and a half after. Uh, and then Crazy. two years later came Diego and a year and a half came the other one. It's just like, I'm like, how? No. God bless. God bless <laughs> God her. Bless. Because like, it, yeah. Seriously. I, I, I always say like, I, I, I remember like a couple of hours with them or with one of them was like, how do you do this on a daily basis yeah, for 24 right. hours a day? Like, <laughs> It's a thankless job. Like my wife just crushes it. Uh, and just with these three kids, only one of them's in school. I mean, so she's like, just with like, it's no break. Yeah. It is a 24 hour job. And she's yeah. not That's easy. I say like uh, women rule the world, man. Cause they can do uh, what we can't. Can yeah. There's no way in hell I could do that. I would lose my mind. <laughs> and I love my kids. I absolutely love my kids, but like the patience. Let me ask you a question. What's easy? What she does or being uh, a military person being deployed? Oh, so. <laughs> military person, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I, she is braver than I'll ever be. That's what I can tell you, man. That's, yeah, no, I, I always say that. And I, every time I, I think of, you know, all the, uh, all the moms in my family, you know, and they, they put up with craziness and all the nonsense and, and I'm like, yeah, we are not that developed. Like no, women, moms, moms are strong people. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, like, for example, I, my cousin, he is in my, in my view, the greatest dad. This guy is a great dad like if you give him a mug that says greatest dad it's probably you know it's, it's he earned, it. earned yeah he yes. earned that mug like um because he's you know unconditional for his kids and his you know now ex-wife but um um they um they have this he's 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 an army man in a way because he's like you know when called to action i've never seen someone react and responds to um, to his family like he does and um it's uh but I, I still think like moms are I was like you're a bit of a mom I was telling that but <laughs> and they're a special breed of human beings yeah they they're really special yeah yeah seriously um how do you deal with um with um with the uh with the female um you know soldiers that you know have that extra added you know I'm a mom now and they have to walk away from their families because they're still serving their country. And how does sure. that, you know, because <clears throat> I, that's a dynamic that I've, I've been always like wonder about because like you have like probably the, the, the toughest mentally people in Europe, but they also have to deal with so much more because well, they have families of their own. They have to. We, we try to treat everybody like equally. I mean, there's dads, yeah. we have moms. Yeah, of course. And, and I mean, you just need to, we try, Try and I try my damnedest to like if we're done training for a specific amount of time, like let these soldiers go home to their families because give them the time like of day if we get finished early and can cut them loose a couple hours before the end of the day, like go home and be with your families because we have that that knowledge and that possibility looming over us like hey we, we could get called tomorrow and have to go somewhere and not see our families for a while. So we try our best to to give the soldiers and parents i mean we, everybody nobody uh nobody is everybody's included time back at the end of the day when possible that's amazing um and that's uh i, I you know i like to hear that and i like i'm getting so many questions answered that i've always wondered because i i think of the um i think of that type of lifestyle and um in a very you know positive yet um wondrous way because there's so much that we don't know um, uh, because we're not like, I've never been like fully involved in the, uh, in the space. And, and, you know, I'm pretty sure like some of our listeners are from other countries and they, they don't know, and they haven't, you know, experienced that at a high level. 
like I think we, we you know, American soldiers experience it because, you know, it doesn't matter if it's our conflict or someone else's conflict, the U.S. Army is there. Yeah, we just have to be ready to go. You know, how do you, let me ask you, that's, that's, that's one thing. So let's say you're going into a place or if, you know, you're, you're, you, you, you have to be prepared to deal with a situation where it's like, it's not directly linked. To, to your home life and to, you know, protecting directly because like we are at war with a country, but you're going in there to support a conflict or to support like, you know, maybe like, you know, we know that North Korea is, a, is an issue, right? That can eventually, you know, have a big impact in the U.S., but they have a big issue with the, um, with South Korea and, 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 and China and all that stuff. Like you have to, in the U.S. is kind of like in that middle space, you know, managing and, 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 and lending support to another country to make sure that those relationships be, you know, safe, you know, stay safe. And, and, and if they need any, you know, military support, um, is there, how's that? Um, because I, you know, we all have, you know, selfishness and, and egos and, and I think of that in a way we're like, well, what if you don't care about the Koreans? <laughs> what if but you have to, you know, you're serving your country, you're protecting your people, but, how do you link it together so that you feel that, and I don't know, maybe you don't have to, you know, much effort, but like, um, I'm pretty sure some soldiers may, may feel that way, or um, maybe like you're dealing with someone that says like, well, why do we have to do this? Or like, if it's not a conflict that's directly involved, like. Well, we, we all signed up, we all volunteered to do what our country needs of us and whatever capacity it is to support whatever they need whether it's hurricane relief here in the US or going to some other country in a similar scenario like you described. So regardless if we want to do it, I think most of us have accepted, I signed up for this, my country is gonna send me where I am needed and where I can impact whatever they need me to impact the most. And it's really about my brothers and sisters to the left and right of me, that, that's what it's about. If I, regardless of where I am in the United States, I'm there with, however many of my, the people I trained with, the people I work with back home, and that's what makes it, that's what, that's what it's really all about at the end of the day. Are there big egos, uh, you know, from, from one company to the other, um, that clash when you're overseas, and, and how do there's you, al- like, there's always egos, the military's yeah. full of alpha males, but, yeah, I mean, you just, at, at some point, you have to check your ego at the door, uh, you, you do. If you want to be an effective leader, you'll see people with big egos be very successful. And then you'll see people with big egos only get so far and then kind of their ego gets in the way and, and somebody, they piss someone off or they're just not easy to work with. A lot of being successful is how well do you play with others? And if you're going to be a jerk, that's only going to get you so far. And then somebody's eventually more than likely going to put a halt to it and and kind of stop you in your tracks. So they're definitely prevalent, um, but it's nothing, nothing like the movies. I've seen some people who are arrogant, but usually not to the degree we see in Hollywood. Awesome. Um, what do you read? What do you, oh, what do you do to disconnect? Like, how do you, you mm. know, cause you're, you know, you're not home, but you still, you know, actively serving. How do you disconnect from the whole thing? And what do you do to, to like I, create things, be creative and be, um, you know, there for your family and all that. So every, every morning I wake up at 4 a.m. and go do a quick workout before I go to work. And then I, I like to read a lot. I like to read as many entrepreneur books as I can just to kind of put that, those things in my toolkit per se or into my mind of different ways to look at things and creative solutions and approaching problems. And it's not just specific to the civilian world, helps me just kind of think three things even in the military world and then of course my podcast I absolutely love podcasting talking to other people it's like it's like so therapeutic to me to do that I think really that is the best way for me to take all the bundled up stress from the week and at work and then just kind of let it go and then so that way when I'm here with my wife and kids like I step outside of this office right here like I'm just so much freer and don't don't I'm not as tempted to kind of you know be angsty and jumpy with them. So 
Yeah, that, that's really reading, lifting, podcasting. Um, I have a drone. I like to fly my drone as much as I can. And then just hang out with my kids. I mean, we have three young kids. We go to the playground as much as we can. It's just been really cold here in Tennessee lately. So like unseasonably cold, like in the 20s, which you wouldn't think because we're in the South. So we really are stuck in. Yeah, I know. It sucks. So we're stuck in this house. Uh, Frozen 2 just came out. So I can say that's a big, I'm unwinding watching Frozen 2 five times a day. You know all the songs. like. So not yet. I, I mastered all the songs from the first one. So I'm having you to missed. like, you know, okay. learn all the new ones. I'm sure I'll be there by the weekend though. Yeah. Okay. How about, um, it, what, 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 um, what show have you like, that uh, has gotten to the point where I say, if I see that thing one more time, because for me with my niece, it was Dora. Was oh, like, geez. Like I literally almost plotted a way to like get rid of it. Dora, <laughs> that's fair. I can tell you. So it's not even like legit shows anymore. Like my kids will just watch other kids play with toys on YouTube. Oh, that's true. My niece, Sophia. Yeah, like Ryan? Are you going to say Ryan? Yes. Oh my gosh. loves that thing. Like I can't hate, even hate this comprehend guy. it. And, nope. and uh, there's another one that she loves to watch. It's like, it's this little girl that all she does is unwrap um, Blows uh, my toys. Mind. Yeah, and, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. Why? <laughs> why <laughs> is there any military training that prepares you for that there's nothing there's nothing not at really. all you can get waterboarded and tortured and it will not prepare you for peppa pig <laughs> and ryan's toy review i swear um off the record <laughs> is that still legal <laughs> uh, i don't know i don't i'm not the kind of person that gets told that kind of cool stuff so okay. yeah no idea yeah no idea that's good that's good um yeah, no, I, I I think it's a way that it's a good thing that I never went into the military because I I'm pretty dark when it comes to those type of things. Like, like someone asked me um, if I had to, you know, if I ever was in a situation where I had to, had to, not that I wanted to, they had to kill someone, how would I do it? And I was like, well, that's a dark question. And uh, like, answer will be very dark so i'm gonna refuse to answer it <laughs> yeah, yeah that's very dark because like i was like i don't want to know if you're like doing market research so i'm just gonna stay quiet but in my head i'm like hmm like, I have a five step I, five step I, model that i would do to do it yeah and here's the thing immediately i got scared and i was like i hope i never ever had to like think of that agree <laughs> because i'm like yeah, no. Um, yeah, but like in a way, like um, maybe I watched too many Hollywood movies and uh, maybe too many Liam Neeson movies. <laughs> Very unique set of skills. And yeah, exactly. Like, you know, hot wiring the guy to a battery. Like. <laughs> I will find you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but no, um, I, yeah, dude, this has been a, a great conversation. I'm very oh, happy totally. that we actually um got to yeah. do this um i um once again thank you for you know for being on the show uh and thank you for for serving um the world i think because i think that's one of the things that army men do and army women do they, they serve the world um and you know for keeping us safe making sure that we uh uh that we, you know that we can go about our day safely I have one last question that just came up in my mind as I was yeah, go for ending it. this, but uh, let's let's come back. Uh, coronavirus. Um, it, how does the military prepare for something like this? Because, um, like you know, we we always know that there's wars, there's natural disasters, and then there's things like this what kind of um like involvement when when you see when 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 the military sees something like this and they say okay we need to be prepared for you know a pandemic like you know where we kind of like i mean i've been very skeptical about the whole thing but now more and more i feel like it's inevitable that we all gonna get it and like, um today i saw a guy like almost in a hazmat suit walking in berlin and 
Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. uh, thankfully, we don't have um, any cases in, in this city. Uh, but, you know, Germany does have a few cases now, and, and Italy is so close. <laughs> how does, um, how yeah. do you guys prepare for that? And like, um, I, I can tell you we haven't even talked about it at my level, so it's a pretty boring answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. What are you um, doing? Like, I, like, how do you use your military training and, and what you've seen from the military to like keep your family safe from something like that? Um, we just wash our hands and use hand sanitizer. That's good. Yeah. So, there we're, haven't so been, we're doing I, the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's been any cases over here yet. I know I just saw on the news today, there were a couple in Portland, Oregon. One was there was found at an elementary school and they're going through deep cleaning the whole school. So yeah, no, believe it or not, I haven't had really any conversations about what our role would be if we had to be activated and do something. Yeah, because I know like, you know, you're you're in the transportation of things. And, right. You know, I, I read a, an article this morning. Um, I hope it's speculation. I hope it's not true. But um, um, it was from the New York Times, and it said that the president had asked the the doctor or the you know from the uh, health department to not share information without clearance first from the uh, from the white house and i think that's a very dangerous thing because i think information needs to be shared as transparent as possible with something like this i'm i'm all about transparency so i always have my beef with all kinds all kinds of government um because you know i also understand that there's certain information like you said you know have have a classified stamp on it but um, I think that, you know, that was, to me, that was very scary um, to read that because uh, why would we need to hide anything about this? I think this is a, a thing that if, if it's going to be as bad as some people say it is, or if it's not going to be as bad as some people say it is, it's, you know, we all need to know. Yeah, we'll just see how it plays out and trust the government has our best interests in mind. Amen to that. Uh, all right, man. Again, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for serving. Thank you for, um, you know, for your time. And it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. I'm so happy. I know we couldn't make season one work, but season two. There we go. We got you at the right time, man. Perfect. Yes, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you, man.